He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney. He is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. Oh, what a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, July 8th, 2023. This episode 156 is important because I had a spectacular opportunity to interview Roger Stone on the last day of 2015. This is when a lot of stuff was going down. In my opinion, it involved Manafort, Russia, Putin, Donald Trump. Anyway, Roger Stone is still in the thick of it. I have the sound of that interview. You will hear how I obtained it so I could play it for you today. But I wanted to bring to you something much more current, and that is Roger Stone doing a podcast. I hope you read my Colorado Sun column because I wrote about podcasts that I enjoy, like Pod Save America, like The Daily Beans, like Al Franken, like Jack, by the people from Mueller, she wrote, Talking Feds. I could go on, read my column. I had never heard of this Strang report with Steve Strang, S-T-R-A-N-G, but now I have. He's the head guy at Charisma magazine, prominent Christian. He's got a podcast. He has a publication. And he had Roger Stone on recently. Roger Stone, of course, likes this show because among the many beliefs of the evangelicals who are part of this Steve String world, they believe that Donald Trump is the chosen one. And we all know that Roger Stone was chosen long ago to be a good friend of Donald Trump. And you will hear about that during my interview with him when I stumble into the way they all met him, Donald Trump, Roy Cohn. It involves Ronald Reagan. And of course, Roger Stone has Dick Nixon tattooed on his back. Ick, yes, it's true. A dick on the back and a dick on the front. But I was not a dick to him. When I interviewed him, I was friendly because at the time I was thinking about voting for Donald Trump, and I wanted him to think that, and it was true, and he kind of convinced me, slick talker that he is, because I thought that like Roger Stone, he was liberal on social issues like abortion, maybe on guns, on other things that you will hear me talk about with Roger Stone, but holy cow, Roger Stone has changed. Since I talked to him, he did get indicted by Mueller. He keeps getting prosecuted, convicted, and then he gets pardoned by his buddy Donald Trump. So he needs that to happen again. Anyway, the key thing is Roger Stone was in the thick of it on January 6th. He was at the Willard Hotel. That was the war room for the Trump team. The smart guys, the lawyers, Rudy Giuliani, Bannon, etc. Altman from Colorado was there. And now participants in that meeting are starting to flip for 
Jack Smith, and it's a beautiful thing, and it should lead to Roger Stone, who is associating with the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, and the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys have now been convicted of insurrection, and wait till you hear what Roger Stone says to me way back in 2015. It was an insurrection all along. We've got that sound. Stay tuned for that. But here's promised sound from Steve Strang because I have a beautiful song from our troubadour Dave Gunders called If God Was Watching. It's about a televangelist, false conversions. Are these guys phonies like Jimmy Swagger? Remember Jimmy Jim Baker, Tammy Bay Baker? You know the type. But what about the unassailable Billy Graham and his son Franklin Graham, who apparently were involved in the religious conversion of Roger Stone. And even as he tells this story to Steve Strang about his recent conversion, and then toward the end, you'll hear he talks about he's now pro-life. Are you kidding me? Roger Stone told me how he was part of Republicans for Choice. You will hear the contrast, but consider that Roger Stone was really looking at a federal prison sentence when Donald Trump Donald Trump once again intervened on his behalf, and now he's going to do everything he can for Donald Trump, including what I consider to be his fake religiosity. He is the perfect subject of this song you will hear from our troubadour at the end, Dave Gunder's new song from his Connected album, If God Was Watching. What would he say to you, Mr. Man on the Stage? Holy cow. Roger Stone. Godspeed, Jack Smith, getting to the bottom of everything, which means convicting Roger Stone, and we won't have a president who can pardon him if the truth comes out and if the American people respond. And that may be what it takes to tie Donald Trump directly to the violence, to the Oath Keepers, to the Proud Boys, via Roger Stone. Roger Stone, who said he had a religious conversion, but even as you hear this story, when he approaches Franklin Graham, he knows that Graham is buddies with his old buddy Trump, and he asks Graham, what will it take for Trump to intervene? And then Graham has the standard response, trust in Jesus. Well, here's Roger Stone telling this story. It goes on for a while, but it's a doozy. Tell me if you believe it. This comes from the Strang Report with Steve Strang. Everyone knows the name Roger Stone. You can't be alive and awake and following the news without knowing that name. He's been respected and involved and often controversial his entire career, but he was targeted. At least that's how many of us believe. He was targeted by the government having to do with Donald Trump. And it had changed his life. And so today I'm privileged to be able to interview Roger. Thank you for taking time to be on my Strang Report podcast. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually a fan of yours. I prayed for you many times. I followed the news stories. I did some research getting ready for this podcast. Uh, I've read your book, uh, the Making of the President 2016, which I thought was magnificent. But all of that aside, 
Um, I understand from mutual friends that you are a changed man. You're different than you were 10 years ago. Can we start by you just telling us a little bit about your odyssey? Sure, absolutely. Look, I, I'm living proof that Jesus Christ can do anything uh, because there is no question um, that I was targeted in a politically motivated uh, prosecution. Uh, and the reason for my prosecution was to pressure me to bear false witness against President Donald Trump, who's been a friend of mine literally for 40 years. Uh, and uh, the, the idea, of course, was is we'll go easy on you. All you've got to do is, is lie. Uh, and uh, I was arrested in January of 2019. In July of 2019, um, my lawyer was, was called down to Washington and the prosecutors essentially said um, with only days to go before they had to release special counsel Mueller's final report uh, in which when it came to Russian collusion, they were completely empty handed. They wanted me to be the ham in their ham sandwich. Uh, and they went to my lawyer and said, here's a list of 26 cell phone conversations between candidate Trump and you in 2016. All you've got to do is re-remember. Uh, and if you'll testify that all of these conversations pertained uh, to the Russians, and WikiLeaks, and so on, uh, we'll, we'll urge the judge to give you no jail time, to give you leniency. Um, and I refused. Uh, and therefore, I reached a point uh, in which um, my spirits really flagged. I was depressed. I was angry um, uh, that I was gagged. I couldn't even defend myself in any forum, not on social media, not in an interview like this. I, I literally couldn't comment on anything in public, which I believed was unconstitutional, but the judge didn't see it that way, nor did the DC Court of Appeals. Uh, and uh, I reached a point where I was, uh, as I say, angry, depressed, frustrated, despondent, uh, and Many of my friends um, who are pastors, black and white, um, the, the, uh, the priest in my parish uh, in uh, Fort Lauderdale, I used to be a Catholic. Uh, I guess I'm still a Catholic because I had been uh, baptized as a Catholic, but today I consider myself a non-denominational Christian. I go to the Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church that was founded by uh, Dr. James Kennedy. Uh, you, I had the privilege of knowing he was a great man and a great American. Uh, a great man. But all of these clerics, all of these holy men um, were urging me to take refuge in the Lord, to, to take this heavy burden that I had and, and turn it over to Christ, to, to get right with Christ. In other words, to renew my faith in Christ, to confess my sins, uh, to pledge to walk in his way going forward as best as, as we can. We're all imperfect. There's only one perfect entity, and that is him. There's nobody else who's perfect. Everybody is flawed. Uh, and I admit to you that I was trying. I, mean, I, was, I would be reading the Psalms. I would re be reading the Proverbs. But I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't getting what I was seeking. Um, and then uh, a very young pastor by the name of Randy Coggins, who I had met years before in a book signing in North Florida, 
uh, and who had kept up with me uh, communications wise um, and who was just on me three times a week saying, you need to turn to Christ. You're in the answer. You have the answer in your hands. You need to just turn your life over to Christ. Uh, and I, I, and I was trying, but I still wasn't feeling it. And then a day came when Franklin Graham was coming to Boca Raton, Florida, uh, for a revival. Uh, and, uh, he asked me if I wanted to meet Franklin Graham. Well, when I was a much younger man, I worked for President Richard Nixon, I had had the opportunity to meet Billy Graham uh, in 1969 in Key Biscayne, Florida, when I was working for Nixon. I was assigned to take a golf cart over to the old Hilton Hotel on Key Biscayne, since torn down, pick up Reverend Graham and drive him over to the Nixon compound. Uh, and it was, uh, he gave me a Bible on that occasion, which he signed, which I, of course, still have. And then I was much, much younger when I was, I think, around 12. Um, my mother, my grandmother had worked as a domestic uh, in the home of a, these very, very wealthy people in Darien, Connecticut. And the cook in the household, uh, who was a close friend of my grandmother, who we called Aunt Ida, although she wasn't really my aunt. She was like my aunt. She was a follower of Billy Graham and his crusades. So my grandmother and my Aunt Ida asked my parents if I could go to a crusade in Bridgeport, Connecticut uh, in August in a giant tent. Uh, and I remember it very distinctly because it, the spectacle of, spectacle of it was extraordinary. Uh, I mean, Billy Graham, first of all, he looked like a bronzed god, uh, but he was an extraordinarily spellbinding orator. Uh, and I remember him talking very specifically about Christ dying on the cross and why he died on the cross and why it's important that we remember that he died on the cross to save us. So I had those two formative experiences. Needless to say, I jumped at the opportunity to meet Franklin Graham. Uh, and he was very gracious. Uh, we met on his tour bus. He gave me about 20 minutes. Um, he gave me a signed Bible. I gave him a copy of my book, The Making of the President 2016. Uh, and I was, of course, still thinking like the political operative that I am, and I knew that he had a close personal relationship with Donald Trump, I had concluded at that point that I was either going to die in federal prison, uh, even though I'd done nothing whatsoever wrong, even though the charges against me were entirely fabricated. Steve, you can't lie about Russian collusion that didn't happen, can you? It's impossible <laughs> to lie about something that didn't That's happen. That's an interesting way to look at it, of course. Uh, which we now know definitively. Um, and... So I said, you know, Reverend Grant, he said, how can I help you? And I said, well, you could put in a good word with your friend, the president, in terms of clemency. And he said, well, I'll see what I can do. But let me give you a piece of advice. And he said, you know, if you will turn to Christ, if you will reaffirm your faith in Christ, uh, I've known other men in your situation um, who were in a very similar situation. And when they put their faith in the Lord, they were saved. Uh, and Mr. Stone, are you a religious man? I said, well, Reverend Graham, you know, I was baptized in the Catholic Church. I had my first Holy Communion in the Catholic Church. I was confirmed in the Catholic Church. I was married in the Catholic Church. But I, to be candid with you, I don't have much confidence in the hierarchy or the structure of the Catholic Church anymore. I think that they've been taken over by globalists. 
the Catholic Church was once a bulk work of anti-communism. Uh, as a young man, I really admired Bishop Fulton Sheen, who I think was a very great man. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I stopped going to church when I was in college, and I haven't been going. And uh, I've been trying to read the Bible, um, but I'm, I'm not finding the solace uh, that I'm looking for. And he said, well, I want you to, I want you to think about this, because I really think that, that the answer, the solution to your problems is the reaffirmation of your, of your belief in Christ. So then we went to a field where he was having his meeting. It was an extraordinary experience. It was, a, it was outside in an outside amphitheater. There were 2,000 people there. You had, to, you had to bring your own blanket, your own beach chair. Uh, could have been a Trump rally in terms of the large number of Trump T-shirts and MAGA hats. And, of course, thanks to CNN, I'm universally recognized wherever I go, even today, for both better and worse. Um, so I, it was a very receptive and warm crowd. Uh, and Reverend Graham had reserved some seats for us up front. Um, and he he had a very tight show. He had a Christian rock band open. Then there was a second Christian rock performer. It was very uplifting. Uh, and then he came out and spoke. And he spoke exactly 30 minutes. Uh, and he's not his father. He's different, but he's still quite effective. He's a very effective orator. Uh, a different style than than the great Billy Graham. Uh, and he came to the part of his oration where he said, I don't care what your problem is, whether it is alcoholism or drug addiction or health problems or relationship problems or family problems uh, or, or financial problems. The answer lies in God. The answer lies in your faith in Jesus Christ. And therefore, those of you who want to live forever with our heavenly father in heaven, stand up now with me, confess your sins, uh, pledge to walk in his way, and it will change your life. Now, as we left his trailer, he said to me, if you will receive Christ as your personal savior, Mr. Stone, I guarantee you, he will deliver you from your persecutors. God will never abandon you. He will never forget you. He, he will never cut you loose. Uh, and at that moment, I felt a calling. And I stood up with 200 other Christians. Uh, and I repeated after uh, Reverend Graham, I confessed my sins. I left my old lifestyle behind. I left my old belief system behind. And I pledged uh, to be a better person, a better man, a better father, a better husband, a better American. Uh, but I put my entire faith in Christ. And I can't even tell you uh, the feeling that came over me was like having cement blocks lifted from your shoulders. I mean, suddenly I wasn't worried anymore. I wasn't scared. I wasn't concerned because I was worried about where would my wife live? How would she support herself? She's hearing impaired. She's at that point 72 years old. Um, what would happen to her if I was unjustly incarcerated? Uh, and all of those fears evaporated. Uh, and I, I left that field with a bounce in my step. I was, I was a, a completely changed person. Uh, Pastor Randy Coggins, who drove me, was with me. He saw the change come over me. Uh, and he said, you've turned the corner. You've done the right thing. And uh, I drove home. Uh, I had a hard time getting out of the 
park because so many people recognized me and so many people wanted to tell me they were praying for me, which I think ultimately becomes a key factor in my ultimate victory. And the fact that I was not only had my sentence commuted days before I was to be sent to some dank Georgia prison infested with COVID-19 at age 68 with a lifetime history of asthma, the court was completely uninterested in my physical condition. They just wanted to make sure that they shut me up. Uh, and uh, there's no question in my mind uh, that, 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 that I was saved by the Lord. When I got home, my wife said, what's come over you? You left here despondent, almost suicidal. And now you seem very happy. And I said, sweetheart, it's, you know what? It's all going to be fine. It's all going to work out. And of course, my lawyers were looking at a worst case scenario. We had a trial in which my first, fourth and sixth amendment rights had been completely violated, uh, in which the government, as we would later learn out, was hiding exculpatory evidence uh, from my lawyers. Uh, my own lawyers seemed intimidated. Uh, uh, they never put up much of a fight. Uh, it, was, uh, it, was, uh, it was an ordeal. And then on the day of sentencing, when I brought a Bible to the church with me, I was mocked everywhere in the news media, just mocked. Uh, the New York uh, Post put a picture on page one where they zoom in on the Bible in my hand and make light of it. Well, uh, in the end of the day, um, I was saved by the Lord and I, I was saved for a purpose. In other words, I, I, my, my own family, my children, my grandchildren, after I got pardoned, they said, look, maybe it's time to just hang it up. Maybe it's time to, to retire, write some historical books. Uh, but, you know, maybe you should leave the fray. Maybe you should stop talking about politics and abandon your friendship with President Trump and your allegiance to the new Republican Party. Uh, and I said, no, that's that's not why the Lord saved me. The Lord didn't save me to climb into a hole and disappear. Ain't that something? It's all about what Jesus wants, and Jesus wants Donald Trump to win. I'm no expert on this, but color me is skeptical. And when he now professes to be anti-abortion, after what you will hear him tell me, we're going to hear a short soundbite then we're going to take a break from Michael Bailey, and then we will come back to my interview from December 31, 2015. The circumstances will be further explained, but give a listen to this from the Strang Report. Steve Strang, I don't know if he was interviewing or just providing a mic. Well, I do know he was interviewing because at the end he said, kudos to you, I believe you, and Donald Trump is the chosen one. And it's interesting how God speaks through a man named Stone, Roger Stone. Anyway, I had my time to talk to him. But the other day it was Steve Strang and listen to Roger Stone talk about how abortion is one of the great evils we face today. Wow, are you singing a new tune? You must really have had a sincere religious conversion. I had to tell you, I was scared. I have no fear today. My fear has been removed by Jesus Christ. I'm confident that what I'm doing is what 
he wants me to do. Now, Steve, I have to tell you, when I started doing as many podcasts and Christian-based radio shows, I speak at churches pretty much every weekend, if I can. Liberal elitists who I knew in my former life began to mock me. Oh, yeah, Roger Stone's found Christ. This is a head fake. This is an act. Uh, Stone is looking for public sympathy. You know what? I don't really care what they think. I only care what he thinks. He knows everything. He can't fool God. He can't bargain with God. Uh, he knows what's in your heart. And therefore, this Saturday, with many others in the Love Life organization, I'll be demonstrating outside an abortion clinic. That's what God compels me to do. That, that I know that that's what he wants me to do, and I'll be there. And to the extent that I have celebrity or credibility, I'm, I'm putting it in on the line because I think abortion is one of the greatest evils we face today. We will be back with Roger Stone and me from the last day of 2015, back in the day on AM radio. These words are powerful. I hope they help Jack Smith. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. Please subscribe. Five stars would be superb. Thank you. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblaw.com. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. I have had my share of fascinating interviews through the years, but nothing quite like Roger Stone, December 31, 2015. I was filling in for Dan Kaplis, and I had this opportunity because Roger Stone was pushing a book, a book that I got and I read, and I looked at the pictures, and I liked it because it was 
salacious, and I thought there was a little truth there. I also thought that the Clintons had become corrupt. Now, in light of current events, I'm not sure if I was right or wrong, but my goodness, now we have the king of corruption, Donald J. Trump, and it was all facilitated by his buddy, Roger Stone. They go way back, and I knew that. And at the time, it was being pretended, and I confronted Stone about this, that there had been a breakup. I wasn't buying it. I thought, now Roger Stone's going to do really dirty things, and I think he did. In Russia, this guy was partners with Paul Manafort, who becomes suddenly the campaign manager. But this is December of 2015. And my goodness, when I listen again, there are unbelievable passages here. They may assist Jack Smith. I think Jack Smith is going to be studying Roger Stone. Roger Stone, who was in D.C. for January 6th. Roger Stone, who's been behind so many dirty things. Roger Stone, who did get pursued by Mueller and then pardoned by Trump. I interviewed him before any of this happened, but I was on to the guy because in my worldview, a lot of the bad things that have happened in my life have come from Richard Nixon and the people who are part of his orbit. Dick Cheney, thank goodness Cheney's come around. There's another guy, did bad things, but Trump took it to another level. Maybe the Clintons with their foundation, it was borderline bribery. You'll hear me and Rogers don't talk about it, but the charitable fraud that Trump committed, the stealing from Arab countries, not stealing, just quid pro quos. My goodness, it's like a golf match between two cheaters and one person cheats a little and once the other cheater sees that, then they go hog wild cheating like crazy on the premise, everybody does it. And even now we see the defense, hey, what about Hillary? My interview with Roger Stone just fascinated me, and I kind of predicted it might be important down the road. I filled in for Kaplis, who left to go back to KHOW, and I knew they would someday take his podcast down, so I wanted to get his podcast and my interview of Stone on for other people to hear. So I put it on Peter Boyle's show when I filled in for him on November 23, 2018. So that's like three years later when all the crap started flying and I had turned against Donald Trump, but here I was on Trump Radio and I am able to put this on the record and once again, I do it. Of course, Ken U.S. took down all my podcasts but they didn't take down Peter Boyle, so I found this gem before they could remove it. And it was my interview, and it's damn interesting. It started at 5 in the morning, which is when Boyle's show started. And they haven't had a good show in a long time, and I hate to brag. Maybe I'm not God's gift to talk radio, but I work hard. And you will hear just in this interview that, when did I interview Rogers Stone? It was a kind of a holiday, December 31st. I was filling in. 
but I had sound that I could play. Donald Trump sound that was contemporary, current at the time. That takes work. That takes planning. I planned this all out. Once again, I'm putting on the record my solid interview with Roger Stone back on December 31, 2015. And you will hear what I just picked up. It's going to be soundbite four. I'm going to play it twice for you. Roger Stone said, this is not a political campaign. Talking about Donald Trump, late 2015. He said, this is an insurrection. He called it an insurrection even then. And there he was at the Willard Hotel. And my God, Jack Smith is flipping witnesses, maybe even Rudy. He was there. Altman from Colorado was there. Eastman. That's where the lawyers were. That was the war room, Bannon. And Trump knew what was going on. And so did Mark Meadows, who's now flipped. While I'm taking a summer vacation, I am anticipating a big July, a summer of consequences for Donald Trump and for Roger Stone. Here's how it started when I filled in for Boyles on November 23, 2018, and I started to lay down this record. KNUS Denver, a Salem Media Group station. Of the people. This is the Peter Boyles Show. Oh, what a world, what a life, what a day. Black Friday, November 23, 2018. Peter Boyles gone. Craig Silverman on. What a show we have. Roger Stone in the 5 o'clock hour. Not Roger Stone today, but Roger Stone as he spoke to me for an hour on December 31st, 2015, a critical time in the Mueller investigation. I've got the sound, and I think it's really interesting. Another guy in the crosshairs of Bob Mueller is Jerry Corsi. I had the extraordinary honor of interviewing him as well back in the day. Jerry Corsi, Roger Stone, where did I first hear them? I heard them on the Peter Boyle Show, 7 o'clock hour. Don't miss it. Call your friends and family. Victor Mitchell is going to be on. Victor Mitchell, who came in second in the GOP primary for governor. He's got strong thoughts about what happened in the midterms, and you will hear it. But first, you're going to hear Tom Moeller with your doorbuster news. Thank you very much, Craig. Uh, good morning. Hey, that's pretty good patter, huh? Especially given the hour. I could do this radio thing. Threw it off to Tom Moeller. And then Tom Moeller gave it back to me and off to the races we went. And I'm not proud of everything I said or did in this interview, but I still don't think Hillary was a great candidate. I thought she was slightly corrupt. I did not like her kowtowing to... The Arab world, right? So I got misled. I thought she'd be worse for Israel, and maybe she would have been. But Netanyahu, I've reevaluated him as well. I let Roger Stone let loose on Bill Clinton. I did read that book, and I don't believe half the things that 
Roger Stone says, excuse me, I don't believe three quarters. No, make it five sixths of the, of the things that he says. But Bill and Hillary did have an unusual marriage. And Bill had a wandering eye. And again, there's Trump who will look at uh, Clinton and say, gosh, if he can do it, I can do anything. I can grab him by the, well, you know what. Anyway, we go all over the place in this long soundbite. And Stone does predict that Trump will beat Clinton. I told him I thought he and Trump were still thick as thieves, or words to that effect. He makes some predictions that Trump will be beholden to no one, really. Let's think about that. That he'd cut federal spending. Anyway, this is great stuff. I apologize for part of it, but some of it was me, and this is my style, making friends with an interview subject before I start asking some hard questions. And I do, just not during this prolonged soundbite. Forgive me for any sense. I knew Roger Stone. I interviewed him and sad to say I was not sufficiently critical of Donald J. Trump back on December 31, 2015, when this conversation took place. Tom Muller, thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving. I brought some pecan pie and pumpkin pie in the break room. I'm going to spend some time there. Fantastic. I'm going to try to make some news this morning because Roger Stone is in the crosshairs of Robert Mueller. I had one chance to talk with Roger Stone. I've heard him for years on the Peter Boyle show and elsewhere. But I think that Bob Mueller might want to listen to my interview of Roger Stone because it was right then when he claimed that he had broken up with Donald Trump. I did not buy that. To me, it was like worldwide wrestling uh, or all-star wrestling, what do they call it, WWE. Bottom line is Donald Trump, Roger Stone, they know a little about showmanship. They know about wrestling. I don't think they ever broke up. I think they're tag team partners. And you'll hear in the first part of this interview from 1231-15, I confront Roger Stone with that suspicion. But first, I'm nice. He was selling a book about Clinton and all the women involved. It was interesting. The other thing I would say before I start into this extended sound clip, I figured out what the defense is of of Donald Trump to Bob Mueller and the charges that I think are coming. Hillary did it too. Hillary did it worse. And you can pick up on that as Roger Stone and I talk not only about his friend Donald Trump, but about Hillary Clinton The date, December 31, 2015. The venue, 710 KNUS. You've heard him before with Peter Boyles. He might be the most interesting man in the world. His name is Roger Stone, and it's my pleasure to welcome him to the VIP line. Mr. Stone, how are you, sir? I am delighted to be here. Happy New Year. Well, you fascinate me in all your sartorial and verbal splendor. You have been awarded my best guest. I do a regular Saturday morning show when I'm not in my law practice. I'm busy all week, usually practicing law. But I've taken note of you, sir, and what a life you have led from Nixon all the way through Donald Trump and everything in between. You're a political operative, and you're proud of it. And your book, The Clinton's War on Women, I can't put it down. I mean, people should buy it just for the pictures, 
but your words, and now I understand Jeffrey Epstein better than I ever did. Tell us about your book and how it's doing. Sure. The purpose of this book is to interrupt the mainstream media narrative about Bill and Hillary Clinton. Uh, they would have us to believe that Bill is just a roguish old uncle, you know, with an eye for the ladies, and maybe he's a little bit of a cad. And Hillary's a kindly old grandmother um, with vast experience in, in government. And, of course, none of these things are true. Uh, Bill is, unfortunately, a, a Bill Cosby-style sexual predator. Bill Clinton has assaulted, sexually assaulted, or raped at least 24 women that I identified. The number's probably really higher when you consider those women who are terrified to come forward. And Hillary is an accessory after the fact, meaning Hillary is the point person for the cover-up. She's the one who hires the heavy-handed private detectives to terrorize and bully and intimidate these women into silence. Um, there's yesterday in the Washington Post a ridiculous piece trying to debunk all of this, saying, oh, well, all of these claims against Bill, they can't possibly all be true. It's very much like Bill Cosby. All the claims against Bill are true. He has consistently uh, assaulted women, in some cases raped them, and in many cases actually bit them. That's kind of his signature disabling move. He bites the upper lip of his victims. So people need to know about this, and they need to, uh, and they can do that by reading my book, The Clinton's War on Women. It's a great book, and uh, I took note of the apostrophe which comes after the S in Clinton's, because you make the case it's not just Bill Clinton, it's Hillary Clinton, and it appears they had some kind of arrangement in their marriage because Hillary was not exactly a shrinking violet. You make some claims about her sexual dalliances in your book, and you back it up with pictures. Yeah, she wears the pants in this family. This is, if you've seen House of Cards, this is very much like the relationship uh, between Frank and Claire Underwood. Um, it's a business partnership. It's not a traditional marriage. In fact, their marriage is uh, a sham. I don't believe that Chelsea Clinton is Bill's biological daughter. I do know that Bill has a biological son. That would be his abandoned, rejected African-American son, Danny Williams, um, who was run off by Hillary. Uh, a, a blood test, a DNA test that the Washington Post publicized in 1999, which allegedly proved that Bill was not the father of Danny Williams, who um, he fathered with a, a cocaine-addicted prostitute, Bobby Ann Williams. That DNA test, I've learned, is fraudulent, doesn't exist. This was a plant by Robert Altman, who owned the Star magazine, Georgetown University classmate of Bill Clinton, major donor to the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton campaigns. In fact, Danny Williams is Bill's son. So Hillary tells us black lives matter. Black lives matter. Well, they don't matter if you're Danny Williams, the son of, uh, and at least stepson of uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton. Right, and if you want to see pictures of Danny Williams and his mother, they are in the book, The Clinton's War on Women, and you do some side-by-side -side pictures of Chelsea Clinton and Webb Hubble, and you're arguing that Webb Hubble is really the father of Chelsea Webb Hubble, a former law partner of Hillary Clinton. It appears that, according to you, Hillary had uh, relationships with a lot of her male law partners. Yeah, I believe that she and Vince Foster were lovers. I don't believe the Clintons murdered Foster. I've examined all the investigations. I believe Hillary drew, drove him to suicide. But 
Hillary did order his body moved. In her own book, she tells us that her first concern when she heard that Vince was, had killed himself was that if he had done so in his old executive office building office, that that would immediately become a crime scene. So she really gives up the, 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 the truth inadvertently. She ordered two gentlemen, a guy named Livingston and a guy named Kennedy, to move the body and dump it in Fort Marcy Park. Uh, it shows you how bloodless uh, the Clintons really are. And Of course, we also zero in on the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation is not a charity. This is a slush fund for grifters. This is a luxury travel service for Bill, Hillary, and Chelsea. This is, this is, a, this is a, a, a vehicle for the facilitation of multi-million dollar bribes, bribes from corporations and foreign countries who have business before the State Department. Right. Never and mind the email servers. A good prosecutor could, could, could put Hillary Clinton away for bribery that's just by I... examining the cause and effect. Uh, at the Clinton Foundation of various giant donations. I agree with you, and I like the credit you gave to Peter Schweitzer, Clinton Cash. I recommend your book to anybody, The Clinton's War on Women. But if you had to read one book in 2015, if you read Clinton Cash, and I know you did, and you gave it a lot of credit, Roger Stone, Peter Schweitzer did quite a job, and when I had him on the show... I said, why do you keep saying you don't have a smoking gun? A smoking gun is just circumstantial evidence. You have so much circumstantial evidence of quid pro quos. And, you know, you can say all politicians are on the take, but the Clintons took it to a new level in terms of cash rewards to the foundation and selling out America's national security. I thought Peter Schweitzer's book was amazing in the way it pointed it out time after time after time. Yeah, there's a pattern there. If it happened once, you would say, okay, this is a coincidence that this a Russian who was attempting to corner the market on uranium production in the United States, it was a coincidence that he gave millions to the Clinton Foundation and that almost immediately got approval uh, of of the uh, of the uh, uh, of what he wanted of the acquisition of the various companies. But the pattern is there again and and again and again. For example, the nation of Qatar wanting to topple Gaddafi, $2.5 million to the Clinton Foundation, a million and a half to Bill and Hillary separately, personally, at the same time they're bribing Tony Blair and Sarkozy. And lo and behold, we totally reverse our position. We topple Gaddafi. We put the Muslim Brotherhood in control of Libya. We, we uh, invite the attack on our, on our uh, mission there at Benghazi, but more importantly, we put the women of Libya back 200 years. Oh, yeah. Now, previously, women could drive a car, could go to college, could choose their own husband, could go in public without a veil. None of these is possible in current-day Libya, thanks to Hillary Clinton. So her entire argument that she's an advocate for women and girls is phony. Uh, you're right, Peter Schweitzer did a masterful job on Clinton Cash, and that was only based on what we knew up to that time. Charles Ortel and, and Jerry Corsi, two great journalists, two great pals of mine, have a new book coming, which takes you further than Schweitzer. All of the federal filings at the IRS by the Clinton Foundation are permeated with fraud. They have set up individual Clinton Foundation satellites in a number of other countries that don't have re disclosure requirements for charitable organizations so they can hide millions more in illicit special interest cash. 
This is a $2 billion global fraud. And Chelsea Clinton is the chief executor of the Clinton Foundation. She is the one that they will handcuff. She is the one they will perp walk. She is the one who will be prosecuted. Oh, my goodness. What a prediction by Roger Stone, author of The Clinton's War on Women. Your chapter on Jeffrey Epstein and Orgy Island, that was the best explanation that I've read about these allegations. You come through the records in Palm Beach, Florida. I know you live down in Florida. And your buddy Donald Trump, he encountered Epstein, and he, he turned him down. Tell that story. Sure. Uh, first of all, I think it's important that people know that Jeffrey Epstein is the multi-billionaire hedge fund operator friend of Bill. The Palm Beach police found that he had uh, raped... Uh, and assaulted uh, some 37 individual underage girls in the Palm Beach area. That's without knowing what he did at his New Mexico ranch or his palatial New York townhouse or his um, hedonistic private island. This guy was party central. Um, Bill spent a lot of time with him on his plane, according to the FAA records, visiting his island for parties um, that were more uh, younger girls and very few men. Um, we know that uh, Epstein gave a $25,000 contribution to the foundation after um, he was uh, accused of sex trafficking or sex crimes. That money's never been returned. We know that Epstein flew Bill Clinton to Brunei to pick up a check from the Sultan of Brunei for $2.5 million for the Clinton Library. The Sultan uh, and Epstein have a great deal in common. They're both pedophiles. They like sex with children. The Sultan of Brunei famously keeps a harem of underage boys and girls um, for his sexual pleasure. Um, these are the associations of the Clintons. Um, when Epstein got busted, weirdly enough, he got a slap on the wrist. He should have been accused of, of sex trafficking and multiple crimes, including rape. He pled to one count of solicitation. He spent 13 months um, in a, essentially a halfway house where he only had to report to the Palm Beach County Jail from 10 o'clock in the evening till 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, then the Bush administration, there was so much local outrage in Palm Beach, the local police chief, the city fathers, that the feds stepped in and they reviewed the entire case under uh, the Justice Department of George W. Bush. They rubber-stamped his slap-on-the-wrist sentence, and then the feds sought to seal the case so that you and I would never know what really happened, and we wouldn't be able to talk about it on this radio show. Thank goodness the Palm Beach Post newspaper went to court in a three-year epic battle to get the Epstein documents unsealed, and we now know that, that Bill Clinton palled around with a convicted sex criminal um, and refused to return his um, contributions, but more importantly... We know that Bill was with Epstein either on the plane or at Orgy Island on 17 separate occasions without Hillary. My question's an obvious one. What was Bill doing there? That's unbelievable. And the other associates of Jeff Epstein in terms of his sexual deviance, this guy Jean-Luc Brunel, who likes to drug the women. Where have we heard that before, Bill Cosby? And... Uh, I think this Bill Cosby thing is going to rub off on Bill Clinton. What do you think, Roger Stone? Very much so, because the situations are analogous. For many, many years, people said this can't possibly be true. These women are making it up. These women are looking for their payday. These women just want their 15 minutes in the sun. 
Uh, and none of that was true. It became cumulative evidence. So it is with Bill Clinton. These names are known, some of them, and some are not. Juanita Broderick was raped by Bill Clinton. Uh, Paula Jones was uh, sexually assaulted by Bill Clinton. Kathleen Willey was groped and assaulted by Bill Clinton. Liz Ward Grayson, who later changes his sto her story, was raped by Bill Clinton. Eileen Wellstone was raped by Bill Clinton. Christy Zercher, Helen Dowdy, Becky Brown. This list goes on and on of people who um, either were assaulted by Bill or had consensual relationships with Bill, only later to be terrorized when it looked like they might say something. So the Clintons have been uh, have been habitual and systematic abusers of women. Hillary hires the heavy-handed private detectives who kill their cats, ransack their homes, smash their windshields, slash their tires, threaten their children. This is the M.O. of Hillary Clinton, and this is what my book's all about. Right. You're listening to Roger Stone, author of The Clintons' War on Women. Let's talk about your buddy, Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump and you had a breakup, what was it, two or three months ago, but it seems a little like all-star wrestling to me. And I know you guys know Vince McMahon and Linda McMahon. And uh, is it a real breakup between you and Trump, or is it just for show? Well, it's not a breakup so much that I decided to resign uh, from his campaign. I'm a political strategist by trade. That's what I do. That's what people pay me to do. But Donald Trump, who's been a friend of mine for 37 years and is still a friend of mine and is still the man I support for president, is his own strategist. It's his money. It's his name. And he's entitled to do it his way. And you certainly can't argue that it hasn't been working. So I remain a strong and very vocal Trump supporter. I've been on Fox and CNN, MSNBC, uh, NBC. Uh, talking about this, I will continue to talk about it. Um, so we had we parted company on a business basis. We remain friends. I may be his most vocal supporter in the country, um, and I think it is very important because he is the only one who has the courage to upset this mainstream narrative about Hillary. I mean, they're trying to say, oh, you know, this is off limits. Bills. Past productivities are not relevant to Hillary. This is this is all you know irrelevant to this election. No, it's very relevant. Hillary is an accessory after the fact in Bill's sex crimes. She should be charged with him. That is not the kind of person you want uh, as president. Right, but so, everything Trump, you know, I think, understands this narrative. Sure, but everything you know about Hillary, I assume Donald Trump knows it and is willing to talk about it. At the right time. Uh, it, uh, you know, I've never had that direct conversation with him, but he's a very smart guy and he can read. Uh, and my book lays it out. For anybody who says none of this can possibly be true, I just urge you to read the book. Make your own judgment. It's very heavily documented, very heavily footnoted. Sixty biographies have been written of the Clintons, and they've missed it. So many of them have missed the truth. They've missed the the abandoned African-American son, Danny Williams, fine young man. They've missed the truth about uh, Chelsea Clinton's fatherhood, which Hillary, by the way, uh, uh, hints about in all of her own writing. She says a large football-sized man taught her how to hold an infant. Really, who are we talking about? I think we're talking about Webster Hubble. Wow, what a story. You know, uh, you do a spectacular job when you're on the cable stations talking about Donald Trump. 
I can't take my eyes off of you. You're always well-dressed. You're known for that. But the words that come out of your mouth are interesting. You are an alpha dog, Roger Stone. Donald Trump's an alpha dog. So is Bill Clinton. Who's going to win when those two bull elks go at each other? Who would you like in that matchup between Donald Trump and Bill Clinton? Well, they're not running against each other. That's the good point. And Hillary it may be an alpha female, but Donald Trump is going to defeat her. Uh, not since the incredible meteoric rise of Wendell Wilkie um, has somebody come out of nowhere from outside the realm of politics to seize the political imagination of the country. Um, I, I really believe Trump has created a large enough pool of voters in these early states to uh, or to win those caucuses. Now the question is whether his campaign can mechanically get these people to the polls. You have to remember that many of those who like Trump and who want to vote for Trump are non-voters, people who've stopped voting because they believe the whole system's rigged and there's no point in it, or people who are voting for the first time who are turned off to politics and are never going to bother now see uh, that there is a reform candidate. There is a candidate with the financial and personal independence to make real changes uh, to the country. Uh, and um, I worked in Washington as a lobbyist. I worked as a, an aide in the U.S. Senate. I worked as an aide in the U.S. House. I've seen the budget process. I can tell you that every dollar that is wasted in the federal budget, and there are billions wasted, was put there by somebody. And that somebody, usually a senator or a congressman, will fight to keep that there. Donald Trump is beholden to no one. Donald Trump can't be gotten to and he can't be bullied. Trump would actually cut federal spending as well as uh, putting in place a dynamic pro-growth tax strategy, which he's outlined in great detail. And the combination of the two, somebody who could actually really finally cut federal spending, you would have the most dynamic boom economy in American history. What a great advocate for Donald Trump. Trump. Yeah, you... I consider you a tag team partner of Donald Trump. I consider Bill Clinton to be Hillary's tag team partner. When we come back, we're going to spend more time talking with this incredible political mind, Roger Stone. Hey, that's pretty good stuff, don't you think? And it keeps going because Bob Mueller was in the news, Roger Stone in the crosshairs, justifiably. My God, Russia did everything they could. In fact, it's this guy who just, uh, Prigozhin, who led the Russian effort to influence people not to vote for Hillary Clinton, probably influenced me. And Bob Mueller was on to it. And Bob Mueller found that Russia did all those things. The Senate found, Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Rubio and other Republicans found that Russia tried to influence the election for Trump. Putin confessed that at Helsinki, the one time you can believe him. But Bob Mueller said you can't charge president. Besides, we don't have definite proof that there was collusion. Sure, they tried to help, but can you show that it was directed by Trump? Well, how about Roger Stone? That's where they should look. I hope all the truth comes out. And isn't it rich when he accuses uh, other people of profiteering? And he says that the Clintons and the Bushes got away with so much money and they're in on everything. Jeb was a mark and it's all worldwide wrestling. But then you realize Stone's a little cuckoo. 
his uh, brain is missing some pebbles. He thinks LBJ arranged to kill JFK, wrote a book about it. And then we get into a fascinating discussion about Secret Service, and he worries about that. Holy cow, in light of recent events, with Secret Service agents testifying before the grand jury in Florida. And wait till you hear the end of this soundbite when there's insurrection talk. This is extraordinary. Peter Boyle's gone. Craig Silverman on. Roger Stone, he could be big time in the news this week. Something tells me Bob Mueller's going to make a move on Roger, who was my guest on December 31st, 2015 on 710 KNUS. What you want, I got right here. New Year's Eve, treat Roger Stone, who's written a great book, The Clinton's War on Women. He is a confidant of Donald Trump. He's known him for over 30 years. You know, when Hillary Clinton says that she wants to run against Donald Trump, Donald Trump says not so fast. They don't want to run against Trump. The last thing she wants in her whole life is this was only I did this in like 15 minutes. What happened to them? Because the husband wants to come and she wants to accuse me of things. And the husband's one of the great abusers of the world. Give me a break. Give me a break. Give me a break. Oh, wow. When you watch Alpha Dogs fight, I think it is on between Trump and Bill Clinton. Maybe it's going to pause for a little bit. But here's Trump firing another rocket shot at the Clinton camp. They called him a racist. I don't believe he is a racist, if you want to know the truth. But they called him a racist. It was a miserable campaign. He did very poorly. And they're bringing him out again. He's being uh, wheeled out, and we're going to see what happens. But, frankly, he did very, very poorly. He was not good for her. And, obviously, she lost to Obama, and that was the end of that. But they brought him out before. Roger Stone, who's just undressed Hillary Clinton in his book, The Clinton's War on Women. He undresses Bill as well, as he details all the time that uh, Bill undressed women. Roger Stone, who do you think Hillary would rather run against? Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, or Donald Trump? Oh, she'd rather run against Marco Rubio because he's in the club. He won't raise these these difficult issues of the cover-up of her husband's sex crimes and her role in that cover-up. Donald Trump has let the world know that he's, he's going to let it all hang out. So Bill, the Bill Clinton, who has incarcerated more black men in this country than any other president under his crime bill, Bill Clinton, who has his own illegitimate black son but who cut funding for single mothers that bill clinton who couldn't save hillary in the democratic primaries eight years ago is not going to be able to sell for now donald trump will be a no holds barred competitor he will let it all hang out these other candidates you mentioned and i like ted cruz in some ways but i wonder if they aren't too inside the club jeb is, you know, you talk about world uh, wrestling, Jeb was the designated loser. This was supposed to be a kabuki dance between Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton. Jeb's job was to lose so that the Bush and Clinton families could go back to profiteering together. You know, they set up a, a foundation, the Bushes and the Clintons together. They raised $138 million for Haiti earthquake relief. They spent $10 million on the ground in Haiti, and the two families pocketed the other $128 million. This is why Jeb gave Hillary a medal. He was the designated loser, and we would have been the real losers. It was kind of a heads-you-win, tails-I-lose. 
uh, election, uh, and a funny thing happened on the way to Jeb's coronation. His name is Donald Trump. No, I, I could not agree more. Why is Trump doing this? What's his motivation? Uh, he's a patriot. He's got the greatest life in the world. Uh, he's got a palatial home in Palm Beach. He's got an unbelievable apartment. He's got a great family. He loves to spend time with his kids. This is a burden. He's giving up a lot to run for president, but he's tired of seeing this country shat upon. He's tired of the political correctness. He's tired of us being out-negotiated uh, uh, in all of our trade deals. He's tired of seeing a foreign policy that puts America last. He's tired of this pinprick strategy against ISIS. Uh, we're okay. We now we're going to start bombing Tuesday, and then we'll stop bombing on Thursday. Um, you know, he he is just tired of it all. He wants to make America great again. He sees the country going down the drain. The truth is, he wanted to run three years ago. He thought very seriously about it. The time was not quite right in his business. He was even interested in running 16 years ago when the Reform Party, which had federal funding, begged him to be a candidate. The time is now right. I'm absolutely convinced he's the only one who could take on an entire rotten, fetid system. And hasn't he put his family at risk, and do you worry about his security? I do worry about that. I'm not sure. Having written a book on the Kennedy assassination, the man who killed Kennedy, the case against LBJ, I'm not sure if I'm more worried about him having Secret Service protection or more worried about him not having it. He's talking about making profound changes in the country, and uh, there are people out there who are mentally deranged. So, yes, I do have some fear uh, for his safety and for the safety of his family. Uh, this is not a political campaign. This is an insurrection. This is an uprising. This may be the most significant development in American politics in my lifetime. Whoa, what did he say? Let's run that last part back again. Uh, this is not a political campaign. This is an insurrection. This is an uprising. This may be the most significant development in American politics in my lifetime. You say you want an insurrection? That's Roger Stone, who was guarded at the Willard Hotel by the Oath Keepers, who were part of an insurrection, the Proud Boys. I think we're starting to put things together. Jack Stone is. I wrote a column about this for the Colorado Sun. I want to have a great celebration of America, law and order prevailing. Jack, Jack Smith, he knows what he's doing. He's got the goods on Roger Stone and the others. Maybe I can be of assistance. I did tell Roger Stone that one thing that turned me off to Trump, kind of like Elon Musk. Remember when Elon Musk retweeted that Ridiculous accusation against Paul Pelosi. He was a victim of an attempted murder, a violent crime in his own home. And the lack of compassion by Elon Musk to accuse this crime victim of being a criminal himself or a gay uh, prostitute payer. It was outrageous. Just a smear of a crime victim. I don't like that. And when Pamela Geller, who... You know, Pamela Geller, holy cow. I used to have her on the air, and I thought she was okay. A stalwart backer of Israel, somebody who ripped the Iran nuke deal, political correctness, when people couldn't talk about jihad and stuff like that. I thought she was okay. I thought Robert Spencer was okay, but they turned out to be bigots, bigots. 
And I stood up for Pamela Geller when Donald Trump put her down. And Donald Trump put her down, and I asked Roger Stone about it, and now we can figure out why. Because Trump's in bed with the Saudi. She's in bed with those uh, people in Oman. That's Saudi money, too. He knows where the money is. That was his first trip when he got elected. And Saudis are in bed with Putin, too. Seth Abramson on Twitter does a good job exposing a lot of this. I'm not saying he's right about everything, but he's more right than Roger Stone, who is deliberately deceptive. And he probably could understand the real reason why Trump put down Pam Geller, but he didn't want to say. Listen to this. You are a great guest on talk radio. I've had Pamela Geller on many times. She's a great guest as well. You know, I've uh, told Pam that sometimes her rhetoric goes too far, but when she was the victim of attempted murder down in Garland, Texas, I was sort of surprised that uh, Donald Trump said this about Pam Geller. It looks like she's just taunting everybody. What is she doing with uh, drawing Mohammed? And uh, it looks like she's actually taunting people. You know, I'm, I'm one that believes in free speech probably more than she does. But what's the purpose of this? So what's going on between Pamela Geller and Donald Trump? I don't really know. I like Pamela Geller. She's a friend of mine. I always find her provocative. Uh, the subject here is not uh, is not a pretty one. Uh, I, I was uh, delighted that she was not harmed in Garland, Texas. Um, but I really don't know the backstory. There is nobody less politically correct than Donald Trump. Makes you think. Makes me think. I think Donald Trump may be exiled to an Arab country. They have all the money. They're buying up professional golf. Now they're trying to get into hockey, basketball. We've talked about that. Money talks, and it really matters most to Donald Trump. Chris Christie said that Trump's the cheapest guy he ever saw. Well, he's got a lot of money, and he wants more money. And Putin has all the money in the world. I think he's richer than Bezos or Gates or any of those guys. He's been stealing for that long. And Roger Stone, he knows where the money is. And I think he's in bed with all this Russia bullshit. To the detriment of the free country of Ukraine. It's outrageous. By the way, if you want to hear a great broadcast about Ukraine... Listen to episode 91, where Tim Timkovich, who just got famous because Neil Gorsuch cited to him in his opinion in the 303 creative case. Anyway, episode 91, the Timkovich family goes way back in Ukraine. That's why Timko went there to try to bring democracy and corruption. They were doing a great job until Putin and Trump interfered. Remember that first impeachment I do? Adam Schiff did a great job. And Roger Stone's been taking the fifth whenever he's investigated, but not with me that famous day, 12-31-15. And I replayed it on the Boyle show almost three years later as I realized that Trump was a bad guy, especially after Charlottesville. So is Roger Stone. Roger Stone, who now pretends he's reformed, you can look that up. He found God, Franklin Graham, about three years ago. And you'll hear him talk here about how Trump is a liberal guy. Hell, so is Roger Stone, his confidant. Guy who championed legalization of marijuana. 
head of Republicans for choice? Was I stupid to think that Donald Trump may go in the direction of Roger Stone on those things? Yeah, I was stupid. Should I have known more about Roy Cohn before I voted for Donald Trump? Yes, although I did get the movie that was recommended to me by Roger Stone, and it was a warning sign because that movie is now on YouTube. I'll put it in the show notes. Citizen Cohn, oh my God, what a great conversation I had with Roger Stone. You will learn about how Stone was introduced through Roy Cohn to Donald Trump. What a meeting. It involves Ronald Reagan. And listen to the bullshit about abortion that Melania and Donald changed after the birth of Barron. Is that when he was banging Stormy Daniels? Yeah, when uh, Barron was just a baby. He changed his mind. He became pro-life. Oh, yeah, he had that Karen McDougal, too, right? Come on now. Who are you kidding, Roger Stone? I'd love to get him on the record, and boy, did I. This was Peter Boyle's show, but it dates back to 12.31.15. Listen to me as I open up hour number two, and I come out swinging hard and getting you, me, and Jack Smith, and anybody who wants to hear this information about Roger Stone, enjoy. The most dangerous media outlet in the state of Colorado. Peter Boyles in the morning on 710 KNUS. Oh, what a world, what a day, what a life, what a life I've got going. Craig Silverman filling in for Peter Boyles on this Black Friday. We're going down memory lane with Roger Stone, who I got to interview on 710 KNUS on December 31st, 2015. 7 o'clock hour, Victor Mitchell joins me. Your call's welcome now, reacting to Roger Stone. Do you think he's going to be indicted? Do you think he would ever roll over on President Trump? Do you think he has valuable information against Donald Trump? What about Jerry Corsi? I have sound of him. You know these guys from the Peter Boyle show. I don't get to interview them every day, but back on December 31st, 2015, I got to interview Roger Stone. Here's the end of that interview. One of the people who got twisted up and confronted Donald Trump about his castigation of Pamela Geller was Megyn Kelly. They had a memorable episode. It's a little too long for me to play right now. I so value my time with you. But what's between him and Megyn Kelly? And I have to say, once Trump dissed Megyn Kelly... I don't think she's been quite the same ever since then. What are your observations? Yeah, I like Megyn Kelly. I've been on her show a number of times. I do think she's doing her job. She she did ask Trump some rough questions. It did bother me that, that Trump was the only one in the debate that got personal questions. Everybody else was getting policy questions or position questions. Uh, I thought that Trump um, handled his own in the debate. I was not happy with the dialogue between uh, the dialogue by Trump the next day. Uh, look, Megyn Kelly is uh, one of the most highly rated talk show hosts in the country. Fox uh, is reaching the exact constituency that Trump needs to reach in order to win these early primaries. And I therefore, I don't think a feud with Fox News is in the best interest of either Donald Trump, um, who needs them to reach the very key voters he requires, or Fox News, who needs ratings, and Donald Trump is always guaranteed ratings. So... Um, it is a fight that I would like to see put to bed. 
Roger Stone, our special guest. I think our politics are somewhat similar, although you've been a Republican operative. I'm stuck in the middle. I, I don't really, I'm not a member of the Democrats or the Republicans, and I know you have some libertarian leanings. A lot of on-air talk show hosts, including some of my colleagues, they are suspicious of Donald Trump and his conservative credentials, that maybe he's not that strong on pro-life. That doesn't bother me, but uh, weren't you involved with a group called Republicans for Choice? And what could you tell us about the real attitude of Donald Trump toward the abortion issue? Uh, this, is, this is speculation on my part based on observation. But I really think Trump and his wife had a heartfelt change on the issue of abortion after the birth of their young son, uh, their youngest son, Barron. Um, now, the Trumps are not the kind of people who read their, who wear their religion on their sleeve, but I think his current position is, is heartfelt. I myself am pro-choice, so it, it is an area where I disagree. Trump, on the other hand, believes that the war on drugs has been a big, expensive, abysmal failure. All we're doing is incarcerating uh, an underclass of mostly African-American people and giving them no chance for rehabilitation and no chance for a future life. It's just not working. It's expensive, uh, but it has not in any way stemmed the tide of illegal drugs uh, in our society. Right. And so it's, it... I was one who supported the legalization in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am uh, I am heartened by the fact that Trump has figured out that the government's patter on the war on drugs is fake. Right. Although it was interesting when he uh, appeared at CPAC and was on stage with Sean Hannity. This was about six or seven months ago. Donald Trump said this. Colorado marijuana, good or bad experiment. I say it's bad. Medical marijuana is another thing, but I think it's bad. And I feel strongly about that. Well, hang on. What about the state's right aspect of it, if the people of Colorado decide? If they vote for it, they vote for it. But, you know, they've got a lot of problems going on right now in uh, Colorado, some big big problems. But I think medical marijuana, 100%. I've never seen the economy stronger in Colorado right now. Then Donald Trump, he had the good judgment to change his tune, just like Roger Stone told us. Maybe Roger Stone helped influence this statement that just came about a month ago. Um, what are you going to do for legalizing marijuana if people are willing to follow all of the rules 100% legally, federally? And the, with the marijuana thing is such a big, such a big thing. I think medical should happen, right? Don't we agree? I mean, I think so. And then I really believe you should leave it up to the states. It should be a state situation. Because, you know, you have, like I just left Colorado, and I love Colorado, and the people are great. People are great here. And, you know, marijuana was more popular than Barack Obama last election here in Colorado. And I don't think it's gone down. I don't think you can win Colorado if you favor repeal the way Marco Rubio does. What do you think about that issue, Roger Stone? It shows you that Trump is a populist conservative. He's not a doctrinaire, knee-jerk, dogmatic conservative. He's a populist conservative. He's also, uh, like most great men and women, he changes his mind when he learns new facts and new uh, and new information. He's studied the science about medicinal marijuana. He's clearly concluded that there are strains of marijuana that have great medicinal value for people who are sick or dying. And secondarily, you can look at the economy uh, and the great benefits to the economy in Colorado and see that this is an idea that needs to be left to the states. So, again, uh, perhaps a... 
a position that won't appeal to the far right, but it does show that Trump has some libertarian streaks. No, I think that's right. Here are a couple things that caused me to hesitate about Donald Trump. Roy Cohn, his longtime lawyer, uh, uh, an affiliate of Joe McCarthy. You probably knew Roy Cohn. He was Donald Trump's lawyer for a long time. Should I be concerned about that? Well, then you'd have to be concerned about having me on the show because it was Roy Cohn who introduced me to uh, to Donald Trump. Uh, I met Roy Cohn in 1979 when I first showed up in New York to organize the Ronald Reagan for President campaign, then Governor Reagan. Uh, Cohn was among a handful of supporters. When I sat down for lunch with Cohn and said, look, uh, I need to get some local business people involved here who could, you know, raise some money, help us get some office space. And he said, I know the perfect guy, Donald uh, and uh, Donald Trump uh, and his father uh, were both uh, very early members of the Reagan President Campaign Finance Committee. Uh, Donald's father had been one of the original financiers of Barry Goldwater, a real conservative Republican. What book would you uh, Roy, recommend? Roy was, uh, Roy was a character and a very, very controversial guy, as you know, but he was also a fine lawyer. Uh, and um, if I did, if it weren't for Cohen, I would never have met Trump. If I wanted to learn more about Roy Cohen, and I do, one, I could talk to you all day, but you have limited time. What book or movie would you recommend that I watch to learn more about Roy Cohen? James Woods' book. Uh, uh, personification of Roy Cohn in the movie Citizen Cohn, which is uh, based on um, a uh, book, um, is uh, extraordinary, and I, I highly recommend it. So that was my encounter with Roger Stone. It was a doozy. Thanks for listening. If you like my stuff, and I know I do, why don't you give me a five-star rating on Apple? That would be nice. Subscribe. Tell all your friends. Roger Stone, I hope you get the consequences coming to you. The ones you deserve, the ones you can't be pardoned for anymore. God forbid Donald Trump ever become president again with that kind of power. But thank you for a great interview on December 31st, 2015. We'll keep tracking what happens next. Thank you. Michael Bailey, a friend, a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So by setting up your estate plan, you know what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's going to go, you know who's going to get it. We've got everything in place so we're not running to a court to try to get guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined. It's all set up. So there's, it's like the the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey because who should have this? It's probably somebody close. Who do you trust most among your children to make that call? These are the hard and good questions that you ask every day, right, Michael? Right. And if you ask them beforehand, when you're not in the middle of a crisis, then when a crisis hits, we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else. We're going, okay, we've got a smooth transition of power here. We've got a smooth who's in charge, and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on the care. There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form, 
and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? Best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to LLC.com And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. Hey, everybody, for all of your legal needs, why not start with me? 734-7156-303-734-7156. I've been practicing law in Colorado for over 42 years, and I know a lot of people. And if I can't do right by you, I can steer you in the right direction. My number, 303-734-7156. Ask for Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims, a voice for people with legal difficulties. Can you hear me? Troubadour, I hear you loud and clear. Where are you? Hi, Craig. Are you near the ocean? I am looking at, right, I am overlooking the Long Island Sound. Well, that's perfect, because we are starting with your hit single, If God Was Watching, part of your new Connected album. It is fantastic. Congratulations again. Thank you, Craig. I love this song, If God Was Watching. Were you conflicted about spelling out God? Uh, You know, I actually, I did consider that, uh, whether to do G, dash, and D in the classic um jewish um tradition you know tradition, tradition of, remember, of, of tradition yeah go ahead the idea that you don't even you don't even spell the name of god god is god is awesome and in the sense that you don't um make idols right or in any way in any way represent god god is is too great to even um attempt to represent and so in respect you 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 don't you don't do that even the word so for people who don't know that so a lot of times jews will do g dash d i did not no i spelled god because you just cast aside all of our traditions i think you got it probably right and i'm no expert i didn't even get confirmed but i think it is that you don't actually spell out his name unless you are really invoking him for something major. Like a prayer in a synagogue, you say Adonai instead of Adoshem, which is, I guess I just violated it right there. But you know what I mean. It's Yes, and in, in this case the song was was it was, you know, it was kind of a paraphrasing of of of, of God. So it wasn't a direct uh invocation of God. Um, and, and so, yes, I spelled, I spelled God with a capital G with a capital G had to be a capital G. And you think God was watching you write this song? He's watching us all, Craig. He's watching those. uh, So you better be good. Right. Sounds like Santa Claus, but (laughs) 
All right, well, you weren't you weren't writing about Santa Claus, although you kind of were, if you don't believe in Santa Claus, that really that's was, a made up story. What were you writing about? Because this is our episode about Roger Stone. And oh okay. my gosh, Dave Gunner, yes. the interview I had with Roger Stone from December 31st, 2015, he called for an insurrection back then. He's the guy who was there at the Willard yeah. Hotel January 6th. It's wow. amazing what I can find. Wow. I'd like and, to go back and that. Yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah, no this, but this, what this, I'm this saying one. is since then, in 2019, Roger Stone yes. claims he was at a Franklin Graham Christian gathering, and he found Jesus, and now he's changed. He's a new man, and now he's leading the uh, pro-life community, the pro-Christian community. This guy who Jeff Tubin <laughs> wrote an article about going to a swingers club with this guy who's got a big tattoo of Nixon on his back. Now he's a holy man. Do you feel the spirit, brother? <laughs> I wrote this song uh, as, to, to uh, you know, to bring to light some of the hypocrisy and self-righteousness of people who, who, who claim to, to know what God wants of us, how to pray, uh, who, to, who to pray to, and uh, you know how to live your life, and you know, and in 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 some respect, also about how to how what's proper in terms of 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 you know one's sexuality and this and that. Um, so it's 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 about that. It's about the hypocrisy of of uh, some. Uh, well, in this particular case, a a a, a t TV an evangelical TV preacher. Yeah, Jimmy Swagger type. Jimmy yes. Jim Baker, Tammy Faye, the people who go well, on and. They make a ton doing that. And I'll tell you, yeah. some people look at that and say, gosh, a fool and his money is soon parted. Other people like Roger Stone look at it and say, I want some of that money. I could do that. And they can. Right. They're the biggest and con the artists in the world. And they have no morality. I just wonder, those preachers, Benny Hen, you know, I mean, let's put Billy Graham, Oral Roberts. Yes. Uh, are, they, are they all phonies or some of them true believers? What's the truth? Some, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, some of them are phonies for sure. They're frauds. But even the people who aren't phonies, you, know, and they don't have, you don't have to be a preacher to, to be, I, I think, to be called you know, to the carpet for, for, for knowing, claiming to know what God wants, right? Um, and and uh, what's what's uh, abomination and what isn't? It's 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 part of that as well. So I mean, you know, it 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 addresses some of the, you know, some of the 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 belief that that one can only act a certain way to be to be good under in the eyes of God, and it's it's hypocrisy to me, um, and it's something that needs to be to be brought out. But it's a big problem. I mean, this is you know when you think about. The backlash against you know the whole you know first first gays and lesbians now it's the LGBTQ and transgender and everything like that um, you know the the people who claim that it's an abomination it's like how do they know what do they what well, do they, they know they, about they, they read Leviticus like I did in synagogue the other day it says well, man is, laying down with a man is an abomination it's right there then I went out in the library. Or in the lobby, and, and they had a pride display, you know, great yes. Jewish pride figures. So there's a contradiction there, and there's yes. a problem. 
But you know who acts like God? You know who acts like God is is kind of a songwriter. I mean, it's so remarkable. Your song is beautiful in every way. But if you thought about you're the great wise person as the songwriter, you're looking down at that phony televangelist saying, I can see what you're doing and God can too. And how do I know? Because I think you're touched by God. And you know how I know it? Because your latest album, Connected, I mean, your last one was great, called Troubadour. I think I had something to do with that. But now when I put in my earbuds, you know what it says every time? No. Connected. Oh. That's a Bluetooth term. You don't use the technology, right? You put on your Bluetooth and oh, says, oh, it says connected. It oh, says really? connected, and you can't help but think of Dave Gunner's and his <laughs> new album. And and thanks to your brilliant sound producer, and wow, who did the artwork for Connected? That's a beautiful shot. It is Mark Anderson of of um, of Notion uh, Works. Did that? Did that artwork? And uh, I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a good job, and it's very colorful. Right with those mazes. Oh my goodness! Dave Gunder's music is how I usually pull you up on YouTube, but you're on Amazon, Apple, everywhere. Where's your favorite place? Where do you get a kick out of listening to yourself? Where do you think the best sound quality is? Oh, I don't know. Craig, if there's any difference, but I, since I have my Siri and my Apple music, I just ask Siri, um, you know, well, first of all, I don't listen to myself that much. Not, not once I make the, the album, I, I, I choose to have others listen. I've heard it enough, but it's Apple music is what I go to, but you know, YouTube is a great, is a great source for music. Your artwork is there and every, I, I don't like to necessarily listen to myself, but listening to Roger Stone First of all, I had to apologize for some of the things I said, but I stand by other things I said, and boy, did I get information out of Roger Stone, who I predict may be charged by the time this airs. This is the summer of consequences, and I think kind of that's what your song is about. If God was watching, tell me about the music. Do you want to credit anybody other than I'm, yourself, or are you the, no, the only guy? I, I, I will not credit anyone because that one's all me. So I played everything on this one, bass and drums and guitar. And actually, I kind of whipped this one off. It was a, almost a, uh, um, I don't know, kind of a toss, a toss a quirky, away song. A quirky, it, and you did have some help. It was, Come on. It was, be it honest. Was, well, I mean, I had, you know, there's always there's always Steve Avidus who mixed it. And and of course, Brad. Uh, what, 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 who, who about, what about Riley was probably in the room, the late great Riley. When Riley you, was lay, he was laying on the side in the room. But yeah, all right. that one I just put all together. Right, and you're leaving own. one yeah. one more character out. Hashem. Hashem helped you with this song. It came Hashem out fast, but it came out beautiful. Let's let everybody yeah. listen. Thank you. Yeah. Here is If God Was Watching by our troubadour, Dave Gunders, dedicated to Roger Stone. We're watching you. And uh, I want to say happy birthday to my father, who's turning 99 today. Okay, if you're going to add one more thing, I'm going to say yeah. happy birthday to my dad, who would have turned 97 on July 13, and a happy anniversary to my parents, July 8th, the very date 
of episode 156 featuring this great song by Troubadour Dave Gunders, If God Was Watching. Happy birthday, Henry. God bless Henry Gunders. Take care, Troubadour. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks, Craig. Shabbat Shalom. Who are you, mister, up on that stage? With your TV makeup and your put-on rage. With all due respect, I've come to doubt. You tell us what God wants. How'd you figure that out? You say we're sinners. You say we strayed. You say what God wants and just how to pray. Claim authority like you know the truth. You know what God wants. Well, he's watching you. If God was watching your silly show, he'd change the channel when you beg for dough. If God was watching, he'd sure scratch his beard. Know that this joker ain't what he appears. You scare the kids with your brimstone and fire. Saying when the sin that the flames will rise high. But your flock ain't listening, cause they know the truth. You know what God wants when he's watching you. If God was watching, he'd fix you up good. Reaching your dribble in Hollywood. He'd say, be humble, let others be. Teach you a lesson in humility. No more revelations, no more of your facts. You're a sensation in your Practice in the mirror that strained pious face. The weight of the world, well, it's there in your face. So you'd best remember as your ratings fall. If God was watching, he'd turn you to the wall. You say what's righteous, well, you got some nerve. If nobody's watching, that's what you deserve. God was watching, he'd see it best. This little man is like all the rest. The ones who would shame us for seeking our own truth. Look to the heavens, son, cause God's watching Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets um, you know a lot of people you know they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs but then if somebody were to 
you know, if you're if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like, I grew up with dogs, and so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and, you know, meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep. And I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887. Or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey. Thank you. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. Craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. Hey, I promised Craig's show, and I think I delivered. Thank you to Roger Stone. Never thought I'd say something like that. But I have brushes with these famous people, and that talk about It's an insurrection, not a political movement. How prophetic. Thank you, Roger Stone. Thank you all for listening. Until next Saturday. Oh, yeah, Troubadour Dave Gunders, you are the best. Thanks for your great new song, If God Was Watching, from your Connected album. And thank you all for listening. Tell a friend. Please subscribe. I like it on Apple. That's where people go for great reviews. Thank you. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.